Well, good evening. It is good to be with you all again. If you'll turn with me to Numbers chapter 12. Uh, Numbers chapter 12 is where we'll be looking at tonight. As we've been going through Numbers, uh, we've read very, uh, many very lengthy chapters, some 50 verses, some close to 100 verses. The chapter we have before tonight is only 16, so it's a relatively short chapter, so we'll be looking at all 16 verses tonight. And what we find in these 16 verses in chapter 12 (coughs) uh, follows directly after the events of chapter 11. At the end of chapter 11, if you'll remember, um, the Israelites leave Kibroth Hata'ava, where the people were judged for their craving, for their desire for the meat, their idolatry. And it says that they leave Kibroth Hatava and a journey to Hazaroth. And what we learn in chapter 12 is that this is taking place in Hazaroth. So with that said, let's read Numbers 12, chapter, or verses 1 through 16. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly, and has sinned. Let her not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, O God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, And the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, as we approach your word tonight, help us to have hearts with the right posture toward you. Hearts that are ready to receive your instruction ready to treasure the truths that we see in your word. Help us to hear, and not only hear, but do as you call us to in these verses, in these passages. 
Help us to follow you with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and help us to pay attention to what you have for us tonight. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Well, I'm sure many of you are aware of the recent defamation case uh, that went on between Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. It dominated the news cycle for the better part of six weeks. It was a very long trial. It was over defamation, the ruining of one's reputation. And it, again, took place a long time. It started on April 11th and just finished a week or so ago on June 1st. So what caused the case? What caused this event that dominated our news cycle for so long? Well, of course, it started with a charge. Um, There was an accusation made that there uh, was wrongdoing on the side of one of the parties. Uh, One of them had ruined the reputation of the other. So they brought it to the court, and uh, there were uh, sides presented. There were arguments made and evidence produced for each side, and then a verdict was reached, and uh, the sentence was carried out. Uh, The reparations or resolution of the case was carried out. In this case, Uh, It was Johnny Depp being paid millions of dollars. But what we see in chapter 12 of Numbers tonight uh, very much resembles a legal case. We see Miriam and Aaron bringing a charge against Moses. Uh, We see a defense made on Moses' behalf. And we see the Lord uh, execute justice and uh, a sentence of justice. So as we look at this passage, we'll be looking at it kind of through the lens of a legal case. Uh, And we'll be looking at it in two parts, primarily. First, verses 1 through 9 will be uh, the proceedings of the case, if you will. The evidence that's presented, the charge uh, that is made. And then in the second half of the chapter, in verses 10 through 16, we will see the judgment of the case, uh, the end of the case. So first off, as we look at this chapter, I think it will be beneficial and we'll understand more of what's going on, the weight of what is going on here, um, the seriousness of the sin in this situation. I think it will help us if we just look at a few character profiles. Uh, Who are the people in this passage? In verse 1, we see the accusers, uh, those on the prosecution, if you will, Miriam and Aaron. Miriam, of course, is the sister of Moses. Uh, She's not mentioned too much in Scripture. Uh, She's only mentioned, I think, uh, four other times in the Old Testament, or uh, some amount like that. Uh, So she was the sister of Moses. She was also a prophetess. Uh, If you read in Exodus 15, when the Israelites leave Egypt, she leads the women uh, in a song and dance uh, and praise for the Lord for delivering his people. She has this uh, authority, in a sense, uh, where she has this office of prophetess. But in this passage, uh, she is not acting rightly. She is against Moses in this passage. And actually, she is the primary instigator uh, of this event. It says that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, but you can see that Miriam is listed first. And in the original language, there are hints Uh, that Miriam is the primary actor in this charge. Uh, Maybe it's similar to 
the case with Aaron uh, when he makes the golden calf. The people come to him first and say, we don't know what happened to Moses. We need another God to worship. And then Aaron follows along with them. Maybe that's kind of what's, being, uh, what's happening in this passage. So Miriam is the uh, primary instigator. And that will help us as we understand uh, the punishment that is carried out in the end of the passage. The second person is, of course, Aaron, who is the uh, chief priest of the Israelites. It was him and his sons who were the priests, and he was uh, the head honcho. So he had a lot of uh, privileges, and he served a very vital role in uh, the people of Israel. He played a large part in speaking to Pharaoh on behalf of Moses. If you remember, Moses had some sort of speech impediment, or uh, he was just nervous about speaking. So um, Aaron was his mouthpiece and spoke to Pharaoh on his behalf. Uh, He was the only Israelite, aside from Moses, who was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies. We've talked about the temple or the tabernacle and its construction, its rooms. Aaron was one of the only Israelites who was permitted to go into the Holy of Holies, to be in the presence of God after rituals and rites. So he was very privileged in that sense. Uh, In recent memory, of course, we have the golden calf incident where he did disobey and he made a grievous mistake and sin. But uh, as we've seen subsequent to that, he has been very faithful. Uh, He has done what the Lord has commanded to him, or commanded him. He has offered sacrifices as the Lord has commanded. Uh, but again, like Miriam in this passage, he is against Moses and speaking against him. Of course, uh, the third character, the, hu- the third human character is Moses, uh, who we know much about. He is the uh, intercessor for the people of Israel. He is their mediator uh, between God and man at this point in history. He's also a unique prophet. He is a prophet, but he's not just like any other prophet. There's something special about him, and we will see that later on. And in this passage, he is the defendant. He is the one against whom the charge is laid. So what is uh, this charge? What are they accusing Moses of? Well, in verse 1, it says that they speak against him because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. So, at first glance, it seems that they are speaking against him because of some, perhaps, racial prejudice. Um, The people of Israel was supposed to be a holy people. They were supposed not to intermingle with the peoples of Canaan uh, and be corrupted by them. In terms of Cushites, uh, perhaps there was some prejudice in that way. Perhaps they did not uh, like that Moses married outside of the tribe of Israel. And there's some uncertainty as to who this woman is. We know from Exodus uh, 2 that Moses married a woman named Zipporah, who is a Midianite. Here, the woman that he's married to is described as a Cushite. There's a debate as to whether Cushite and Midianite are synonymous. Maybe they're interchangeable, and this is a poor that's being talked about. But there are also people who have argued that it's maybe a second wife that he took, or a wife that he took after Zipporah had passed away. Uh, regardless which specific woman it is, what we do know is that this is the case. It is not as if Aaron and Miriam are uh, 
attacking him and speaking against him for something that he has not done. Because it says, for he had uh, married a Cushite woman. But as we go further, we see that this isn't really the crux of the issue. This isn't really the, the primary reason why they're speaking against Moses. Because if you'll read in verse 2, you read something that seems very disconnected uh, from Moses' wife. It says, uh, And they said, so them speaking against Moses, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Uh, Again, this isn't very clearly connected to the wife. Uh, Initially, they're speaking of his wife, of his choice in marriage, and now they're speaking about themselves. Um, has God only spoken through Moses? Hasn't, hasn't he used us as well? Hasn't he spoken through us? Uh, it seems very much to be an instance of an argument that starts off about one thing and ends in another. Uh, I'm sure many of you have experienced this, where you maybe you get home uh, from a day of work, and you're speaking with your spouse or your brother or your sister or your parents, And uh, for some reason, you're on edge, so you start arguing about something that they've done. Maybe they didn't hang their coat up, or um, maybe they didn't say hi to you the right way. And as you progress in talking with them about this, what uh, comes to light is that you're actually upset about something that happened earlier in the morning. Uh, And that is what is really making you irritable. That is what is making you uh, agitated at this person. So that seems to be what's going on here. They're not primarily concerned about Moses' choice of wife. They are primarily concerned with Moses' authority above them. God is using him in a special way. He is speaking through Moses authoritatively in a way that he doesn't do through Miriam and Aaron. And they have a problem with this. They say, why is this the case? Why has God not used us in this way? Uh, Now again, I think it's helpful to look at this complaint in light of who Miriam and Aaron are. Uh, They are not just a typical Israelite. They are not just somebody uh, who is part of the masses, but these are distinguished individuals. Again, Aaron had a very privileged office. Uh, He got to do things that almost no one else got to do in terms of relating to the Lord and being close to the Lord. Miriam as well had, had... Uh, this title of prophetess. She was as well privileged with uh, the Lord's revelations in some sense and with the praise of the Lord. Again, so what we see here is that this complaint is not legitimate. Uh, They are complaining that the Lord has not uh, spoken through them and that he has not given them the authority that they're owed, uh, but he has graced them uh, with very much that many others could not say that they had. In fact, in Micah 6, 4, um, the Lord is recounting uh, his salvation of the people of Israel out of Egypt. And he says in that verse, Micah 6, 4, For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. All three of them are recounted as chief leaders of the, peace, of the people of Israel, a chief characters and actors in this exodus, in this wilderness journey. So this is not just a family squabble. It's not just that they're 
uh, you have these family members that are angry at one another, but you have the leaders of Israel who are not seeking to lead the people um, only and serve the Lord humbly, but they are seeking status for themselves. They're seeking uh, authority more than they have been given. Uh, They had been given authority, they had been given office uh, and prominence um, by the Lord, by his grace, uh, but they wanted more authority, and they thought they deserved uh, more authority. So then it says, and the Lord heard it. So you can see that uh, it seems like the like Aaron and Miriam are maybe in a tent. Maybe Moses is there with them, and they're speaking directly against him. Maybe he's not present, and they're just speaking against him amongst themselves. But they're in this private setting. Uh, they're not doing this in the midst of the people. But the Lord, uh, nevertheless, hears it. Um, there is nothing that is said that the Lord does not hear. There's, there are no acts in the dark that the Lord does not see. So he hears this complaint from uh, Aaron and Miriam. So next we see kind of a, a character witness. Sometimes those are called up in cases to uh, vouch for someone's character. And that's what we see in verse 3. Uh, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. Uh, meek here connotes maybe humility. Uh, he is reliant on the Lord. He's not reliant on himself. So what you kind of see is that there are these charges made against him, but he is not the one who is going to defend himself. He's not going to do that. He is meek. He is humble. He's not going to respond in anger to these things. Instead, the Lord comes to Moses' defense. So it says in verse 4, And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. You can see that suddenly. Aaron and Miriam are discussing amongst themselves, and then suddenly the Lord says, Come out. Uh, you have been seen. So they come to the tent of meeting, and the cloud descends, showing that the Lord is there, and he will uh, judge this case. So what he says is, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my my servant Moses? So what God is doing here is saying, in essence, if Moses were a prophet, if he were just any prophet, you would be wrong to speak against him. You would be wrong to question his authority, his office that I have given him, But he is not just a prophet. He is a unique prophet. He's not receiving visions from me. He's not receiving dreams from me that reveal things to him. He's not uh, seeing things maybe as Joseph did in terms of uh, wheat sheaves bowing down. He's not uh, interpreting dreams like um, Joseph did. He's not seeing visions as Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel saw. The Lord is revealing himself to Moses clearly. Uh, It says he beholds the form of the Lord. So God has a special, intimate relationship with Moses where he does not hold anything 
uh, away from him. He reveals all to him. So he is a special prophet. How, why then, Aaron and Miriam, did you not know that you should not speak against him? Why did you not know that uh, you shouldn't speak against him because this is my will? Couldn't you see that I have blessed him and I have given him this authority? And the Lord was angry with them. It says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled (coughs) against them, and he departed. Uh, So he's angry with them, rightfully so. Again, we see uh, great ungratefulness and ingratitude on Aaron and Miriam's part. Aaron and Miriam were very ungrateful. Uh, They had been blessed by the Lord. They had uh, seen the Lord's provision in so many ways, um, carrying them outside of Egypt, delivering them, sustaining them with manna, with bread from heaven. Uh, And then they had been given these uh, offices of prominence, of privilege, uh, and of service to the Lord. Um, It's very similar to uh, the craving that Harrison preached on in Numbers 11 last week, uh, where the people, it's not as if they didn't have food. They had food, uh, but it wasn't the food that they desired. They, they didn't want bread anymore. They didn't want manna. They wanted meat. Uh, it's very similar here. Aaron and Miriam have this craving. It's not that they don't have any authority. It's not that they don't have any <clears throat> revelation of the Lord, but they desire more, uh, and they feel like they deserve more, and they've earned it. Do not imitate Aaron and Miriam in this. Uh, It is not our right uh, to contest God as to what he has given us, what he has blessed us with. Um, We are not the ones who tell God how he should treat us or what a specific uh, office or privilege he should give us in life. Um, We are not to be proud. We see great pride, great envy on the part of Aaron and Miriam here, great ungratefulness. And scripture throughout speaks against this uh, type of behavior, this attitude. You can look at Matthew 23, 12, where Jesus is saying, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. You can think maybe he was reflecting on this passage, seeing Aaron and Miriam trying to exalt themselves. And what we see at the end is that they are humbled. Um, Maybe Jesus is reflecting on this, reflecting on the words that his father has written. So he says this in response to the disciples' uh, desire for authority, for greatness, for prominence. Romans 12.3 says, for, the grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So we are to rightly estimate ourselves. We're to rightly estimate uh, what God has given us. How much faith has he given us? We are not to think of ourselves as you know, the superstar uh, Christian when, in fact, we are very average. Uh, We are not to think of ourselves as a super mature Christian when perhaps uh, God has not given us that maturity as of yet. James 4.6 and 1 Peter 5.5, it seems that both Peter and James in these passages are reflecting on Proverbs 3.34. Proverbs 3.34 says, Toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. 
or as it's quoted in the New Testament, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So we see uh, repeatedly throughout Scripture that God is calling us to be humble, uh, to not be proud, to not be envious, to not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Uh, Pride is the very opposite of this. You can think of it in this world where we see everything around us. We see uh, the food that God has given us. We see the blessings that God has given us, the shelter he's given us, the friends that we have around us, the kindness that God has shown us. Pride and envy is like putting a blindfold on your eyes so you don't see any of that. Uh, Are those things still true? Are they still around you? Yes. But do you see them? No. Um, Because pride tells you that you deserve more. You deserve everything. You deserve more than what God has given you. And it robs God of glory. It makes us ungrateful to where we think that he has not given us what we are owed. Humility is taking that blindfold off. Where we see ourselves as we are, which is wretched man, um, sinful man, who are deserving of nothing but judgment, uh, nothing but condemnation because of the sin that we uh, so flippantly commit sometimes. And that causes us to see everything that God has given us not as insufficiencies, not as treatment that uh, does not live up to what we deserve, but we see it as abundant grace, um, things that we are not owed the things that God in his love shows us and gives to us. Let us have humility. Let us be humble people, um, seeking to honor the Lord and glorify him for what he's given us, because he has given us so much. Uh, He has given us forgiveness of our sins. He has given us material uh, comfort, security in many situations. Uh, Let us not... Be proud, thinking that he has not given us what we are owed. So that is the uh, first half of the passage, the proceedings, if you will. In this next section, we'll see the judgment of God. So God has been, uh, he has revealed his anger against Aaron and Miriam for their sin. And the cloud departs, and he departs. So when the cloud removes... Uh, from over the tent, we see that Miriam is leprous. This is the judgment that is carried out. It says that she was leprous like snow. Uh, and Aaron, when, she, when he sees Miriam, says, uh, describes her as one who is dead, um, one whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. We've talked about leprosy before. We've seen that in Numbers before. Uh, it was a very dreadful condition. Uh, it, was, it was not something that was, of course, enjoyable. It was very hard. And one of the most difficult aspects is it meant separation uh, between you and the people and between you and the people of God in their community with God. That is what is being carried out on Miriam for her sin. She has there's this irony here that she has desired this authority, this office, this high status, and what God gives her is the lowest status uh, in the people of Israel, where she cannot even dwell inside the camp because of her 
uh, condition because of her leprosy. Uh, and Aaron, of course, uh, is distressed by this. Uh, he is distressed by his sister's condition. So he uh, appeals to Moses, and he says, Lord, uh, please, we have done foolishly. We've sinned. Uh, do not punish us. Do not let this, do not let Miriam be cast off forever. And we see something extraordinary from Moses. Um, I think if we examined ourselves and we uh, imagine a situation where somebody's speaking against us and kind of questioning, well, who is God to give you what you have? I, th- I think he should have given me the authority that you have. I think many of us would buck up against that, would respond in uh, frustration and anger and in lack of forgiveness. I think that's a temptation for us uh, so many times. We see nothing whatsoever from Moses like that in this passage. Uh, Aaron appeals to him, and it says, And Moses cried to the Lord, O God, please heal her. Please. There's no reservation that Moses has. There's no, well, I I want to see her judged uh, for a little while, and then I'll appeal to God for her. There's nothing like that. There's just a desire for her to be saved from this condition, uh, for her to be healed. So what does the Lord do in response to this? Uh, He says this, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Uh, If spitting was a sign of shame, it was a sign of disgrace, it was an action you would do uh, to show disapproval or shame. So what God is saying is, if her father had just spit in her face, she should be uh, shut out. She should be um, shamed seven days Since she has done this horrible thing, um, it is not right for her to go without any punishment, without any discipline, uh, but she should uh, receive something. So he says, let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. Leprosy, it was not common for leprosy to be healed. Um, That is something we see when Jesus comes on the scene Uh, in the four Gospels, he is healing people of leprosy, and that's something extraordinary, because leprosy is not something that would normally just go away. Um, So for Miriam to be uh, sentenced to leprosy was a life sentence. Um, But what we see is that Moses appeals to God, and it is no longer a life sentence, but it will be uh, taken away after seven days. And after that, after she has spent her time outside the camp, Uh, she will be brought in again. And it says that's exactly what happened. Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days. But I want us to pay attention to this. In the latter part of verse 15, it says, And the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. Um, You can think if Miriam is shut outside the camp and the people depart, uh, that is it for Miriam. She has been abandoned. But the people do not do this. They wait for her. And if you remember how the people moved, what was the signal for them to move? Um, It was the cloud moving. It was God moving. God would move, and they would follow, not not the other way around. So when we see that the people did not set out um, before Miriam was brought in again, we see that God is not leading the people away uh, from Miriam, but he is staying there so that she might be brought in again. 
Uh, We're seeing a great act of grace uh, from the Lord and of mercy, that he would delay the people so that Miriam uh, could be brought in again and could be redeemed and brought back into the community of the people of Israel. There is a great picture uh, of grace in this passage. Uh, We see Moses acting again as an intercessor, as a mediator. And I think it is worth considering that Moses is a type of Christ. Um, It's said here that, right, he's a unique prophet. He has this specific way of interacting with the Lord that not every prophet did. And when Jesus comes on the scene, we see him imitate that. Uh, We never see an account where Jesus is talking about this vision that he has received from the Lord. That is not how God interacted with the Son. Uh, There was that face-to-face connection, that close connection. So Jesus comes and he fulfills everything that Moses uh, types. He fulfills all the patterns that Moses sets up. So when we see Moses interceding for Miriam here, we are seeing a picture of Jesus' intercession for us. Um, Jesus is not reluctant to appeal to God on our behalf if we come to him and repent and believe in him. He is not reluctant. He does not want want to see us suffer in punishment. Um, But he goes and pleads earnestly for us. And of course, his pleading is not rejected by the Lord, but is accepted with gladness. So I think we should be encouraged by this passage, uh, that we see discipline carried out on Miriam, but it is not an eternal punishment. It is not a punishment that does not end. It is not a, a discipline that does not end, but it is a discipline that is carried out for the good of the people of Israel. Uh, we never read an account after this where Miriam is mentioned specifically as questioning the authority of the Lord. Um, it seems that this discipline was very effectual. Uh, she learned her lesson. And for us, when the Lord disciplines us, when we are in seasons of discipline and of maybe pain, we should not receive it with begrudging hearts. It is painful. There's, there's no uh, denying that, that the discipline of the Lord is painful. But it brings about uh, such good. Um, the Lord shapes us into the image of his Son through his discipline. So we should rejoice in that. So as we see in this passage, we should not be proud. Um, We should be grateful for what the Lord has given us. Uh, We should be humble in looking at ourselves and seeing how little we deserve, uh, how we do not deserve indeed any good, but God has in his grace given us such. And we see also that even in the hard times in life when the Lord is disciplining us, he is using it uh, for his good. So let us go through this life and seek to give him glory for the grace that he has displayed towards us and the salvation that he has accomplished for us through his Son. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Lord, how often are we tempted towards pride? Towards thinking that perhaps we know better than you do? thinking that we deserve more than we have, to thinking that we are better than other people, um, that we are righteous and they are not, when 
before you we are all sinners. Help us not be the proud that you oppose, but help us be humble. Help us come to you um, in humility and in gratefulness for your salvation and for your grace. Lord, please rid us uh, of our pride. If we should need to be disciplined as Miriam was, uh, please do so, that we might uh, be rid of sin and look more and more like your Son. Please help us to rejoice in your discipline, uh, to rejoice in your good will and your good plan for us. And help us to live this life not seeking to glorify ourselves um, and make much of our name, but help us to live this life making much of you um, and giving you all the glory that you are owed. It's in Jesus' name that I pray.